Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7, and also in Joshua, chapter 15. John 7 and Joshua, chapter 15. First, we'll read from John, chapter 7. Jesus had a very important announcement. And I want us to look at the occasion at which he chose to make this and, and the manner in which he did. It speaks of the, of the nature of what he was talking about. Let's read from John chapter 7 and verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake, or he meant by the Spirit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, who, whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. How many believe Jesus has been glorified now? How many believe the Spirit has come? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your many, many blessings that we have tasted of, experienced in this service, for the things that by your Spirit you have done in many lives here. And now as we look to the dividing of the word of life, this bread of truth, God, we ask you for your help. Give us ears to hear. Touch these lips of clay that we might speak words not of our own choosing, but words, Lord, that will register words that you have put in our heart. And we ask you to give us grace to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to share just briefly some of the, couple of, three of the things that I'm, I'm looking to the Lord and expecting to God do, to do during these, these services. Number one, I, I hope that there, we will come to know that he will not break a bruised reed and he'll not snuff out a smoking flax. What does that mean? You see, in their culture, a reed grew by the river. They're cane reeds. They were a dime a dozen. They were cheap, but they could be made into musical instruments. They could be used for writing in the, in the clay, clay tablets. And when one ever got cracked or bruised, it was just chucked to the side. But Jesus using that to help us to understand his loving, compassionate patience and ability to revive and heal. He said, not so with me. I will not break a bruised reed. I'm not like man. I can take an individual who has been damaged and hurt and might think that they could never be used again. I want you to hear the Messiah, Jesus, say, I will not break a bruised reed, but I can take it and heal it. I can cause music to flow from your life again. And you say, amen. And he also said, and I will not snuff out a smoking flax. This is hard for us to understand with our modern lights. We just hit the switch. But in their time, the only thing they had was small little lanterns. Little lanterns with a wick. A little wick that would get cluttered up sometimes or, or it would burn out of, out of fuel. And the result was it would first lose its flame. The little chip or the little, uh, the, uh, I'm struggling with Spanish, the chispe, <laughs> the, little, the little spark 
would disappear. And then it would just go to a little glow, and then that would burn out. And the only thing you got is that annoying, smelly smoke. Most people, to avoid that and not put up with it, they would just perhaps lick their fingers and just, you know, put it out. But Jesus, once again, appropriating this, this wonderful illustration to communicate his love, his patience, his ability to, to fan and to trim and to fill and to revive and put a fire there. He says, I will not put out a smoking flag. He says, though, to those of us that at one time maybe we were on fire and, you know, we were being used of God, but for some reason or another, we've lost the flame. We've lost the glow. And we're just sort of a smoking. We might even be in a nuisance. <laughs> but I want you to know Jesus said, let me trim your wick. Amen. Let me cut away. Let me fill your tank. Let me touch you with new fire and you'll begin to glow for me again. I believe that the Lord wants to untie some donkeys here tonight, today. You say, that's not a very good thought to get off on. He's trying to win people's uh, favor and confidence. No. As an illustration, what I'm saying is Jesus wants us to understand he don't need much to work with. Matter of fact, he prefers the simple. He prefers the weak. He chooses those that he might end up getting all the glory. There is no room for boasting. He says, I'll choose the weak. I'll take the, the rejects, the foolish things, people that look down their nose at, people whom no one has seen much uh, uh, use in their life, and I will glorify my name through them. Jesus was ready for that great triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I mean, this thing had been prophesied hundreds of years before. They were waiting for that day when the great king, their mindset was a little bit different. They thought it was going to be an earthly king. Nevertheless, and you'll remember, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead of this procession, and he sent them over to Caesar's palace and said, bring me one of those high-stepping war horses. Well, I'm sorry. No, that's not the way he did it. No, for this occasion, this great occasion, what did Jesus say? I want you to go down to the fork in the road, and you're going to find a little old donkey, a little jackass that nobody's ever sat on, and he's tied up there, and you bring him to me. Amen? Jesus was speaking to us. I want to be brought into the city, but I don't need greatness. I just need somebody that's humble and willing. When they got there to untie that donkey, he was looking in the water trough, looking at his long ears. He was taking inventory, little short legs, and he's saying, God, why'd you make me the way you did? By that time, here comes some band of those Roman soldiers. High-stepping, snorting, and oh, and the donkey's said, Why, God, if you'd have made me like them, I could be used. I could do something for you. By that time, he feels a tug on his halter. Friends, I hope you'll feel the tug on the halter of your life today. Because Jesus wants to loose us. He wants to untie us. He wants to take us in a new direction. He wants to take us towards service. Hallelujah. You believe that this morning, say amen. And I believe the Lord wants to do like Samson did. He caught 300 foxes. You remember that story? 
He caught 300 foxes. He paired them off. He put a firebrand between their tails and wrapped bands around their tails and pulled it tight. And when he had them all ready, he lit those 300, 150 pairs of foxes and he turned them loose. And they ran out through the fields of the Philistines and destroyed all their, their fields. I believe God wants to pair his people up, folks. Jesus sent them out two by two. I believe he wants to join us together with cords of love and harmony. I believe he wants to, to, to tie us together with cords of love. Amen. And he wants to put the firebrand of the Spirit, this fire that we're talking about, between us and send us out. I assure you that fire was a motive. It was a mobilizer. It got them moving. Amen. And the fire of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor was talking about, that great man Elijah, it will do a mighty work in our lives if we'll just let that fire be kindled in us today. Now, this passage of Scripture, Jesus was about to announce a most important event, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I believe second only to an important second only to the to the to the to salvation and the need to be redeemed for eternity with God. Second to that only is the next step that God has in line for the believer, and that is to be filled with the Spirit. This had been prophesied many, many years before, as God began to announce. Piece by piece throughout, throughout history, these prophecies concerning the Messiah, whom, what lineage, where he would come from, and uh, all the things that had to be fulfilled. But it was also a prophecy that went something like this, that in the last days I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. I've thought about that. I'm quite certain that the prophet Joel suffered a lot of ridicule. I'm sure that people probably got in his face. How dare you say that? Don't you know that this outpouring of the Spirit, this infusion of God's power and glory is only reserved for a handful of people? Just the prophets, just the kings, perhaps a few judges from whom the Spirit would come upon, but the common ordinary man, how dare you? And especially to include those unclean, unfit Gentiles, how dare you, Joel? But I want you to know I'm thankful that God had plan B. Amen? <laughs> I want you to know I'm thankful that God said in the last days I'm going to do it in a new way. I'm going to make it possible. We didn't understand. They didn't understand. But I, he was saying I'm going to clean the believer up and make him an adequate place to house my spirit. Hallelujah. And I want you to know there's a lot of blessings and benefits that comes along with that. Amen. Jesus was about to announce that. And to do that, he chose a very special feast, the Feast of the Tabernacles. This was a great event. We don't have time to go there, but just understand that this was a time when all of Israel would come together and they would celebrate this Feast of the Tabernacles and Jesus didn't just choose any time. He waited till the great and final day, the greatest day of the feast. There would be the grand finale. There would be more in attendance. That was the closing out of this annual event. And here Jesus chose this to make this announcement. He did not choose some small little corner. 
He didn't just say it in a passive, low voice for a few around him to hear. The Bible says he stood to his feet. Amen? The Bible says he lifted his voice and in a loud voice. And I assure you, my friends, if there was ever a loud voice on the face of the earth, it was anointed, it was megified, and it went out as thunder as Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me. And as the scripture says, out of your being, the result's going to be an opening up of rivers, a flow of divine resources for that individual. This he was talking about the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. That's what he comes for, to be your helper, your enhancer, your developer, your blesser, your friend. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. Jesus chose a river to associate it with. He understood that every individual in that society understood about that river. Water was not in plentiful. Very limited. There were no faucets to turn on. There were no, no big reserves, but there was a river, and everyone understood about going down to the river. Even the smallest child could get excited about going down to the river. You could go there, and you could get clean. You could lose the stains. You could get all refreshed. You could go there and quench your thirst. Amen? You could go there and wash the clothes and get the stains out. Along that river on both sides, there was life. There was trees that were bringing fruit. In that river, there were stones that had had the water running across it for years, and they were smooth. How many know that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life can get the points and, the, and those old rough edges off? Amen. That's why Jesus didn't say that it, uh, he didn't appropriate anything else other than a river because he knew this was the closest thing to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a flow of not just any water. But it's the flow of living waters, he said. And he didn't just say, out of your innermost being will flow a river. He said, rivers. He said, plural. I want you to know that the multifaceted work of the Holy Spirit, it would take us a long time to touch on all of it. Amen. Because he comes offering something for the total man. Your need is something physical. I want you to know the Holy Spirit has a flow for you. If there's something uh, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, I want you to know the Holy Spirit specializes in that area. If there's something, my friend, in your spirit, uh, spiritually, the Holy Spirit has great reserves. He has plenty to offer. And this water's been flowing in through humanity for those of, them that, those of us that are willing to open up and to receive and to accept, appropriate what God has made available. This river's been flowing and it's not drying up. Amen? Hallelujah. Who would not want this wonderful river of life, live river of living waters flowing through them with all the wonderful benefits? It's because often for lack of understanding or perhaps of, of seeing an individual who claimed to be filled with the Spirit or perhaps were filled with the Spirit, but understand that doesn't make us perfect and they've seen this problem or that or they've seen perhaps uh, too much emotionalism or whatever. But friends, I want you to know, oh, this is for you. It is for every believer, and I encourage you to open your life. Jesus said there will be rivers, rivers, a flow of mighty rivers. You know, Jesus had spent much time preparing the disciples. 
in his small little band when he would have them isolated. He spent a lot of time talking about the coming of the Spirit. They didn't understand this. They didn't understand all the aspects of it. But he would introduce a little nugget here, a little nugget there. He would say, when the Spirit of truth, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, amen. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, this is what he'll do. He will lead you into all truth. When you understand and you know the truth and the truth will set you free, that's something to get excited about. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. This book cannot be understood by human in, uh, mentality, not the depth of it. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Amen? No one understands the things of God except the Spirit of God. That's why it's so important that you and I have this wonderful presence of God in our lives. That's why Paul said the world can't participate in what we're talking about. Only those who have been born again, only those who have accepted Jesus and their body, their mind, their soul, they have been saved and they've been forgiven, that's what qualifies us to house the Spirit of God. It's not by any good thing. And you may be just one step away from what I'm talking about. You may be here today and you've never committed your life to Christ. You've never received the salvation, forgiveness of God. Oh, my friend, not only are you missing out on an eternity, but you're missing out on a whole life of abundance of help and being able to be used of God and developed by a personal tutor, the Holy Spirit, in your life. I encourage you today, prepare, make ready, and make way, make, make way toward God today and ask Him to fill you, to be saturated, to be baptized, Jesus said. Jesus understood. They all knew about baptism. John had just gone through a campaign of baptizing, immersing people, oh, saturating them. Now Jesus comes with a baptism uh, of like manner. In one sense of the word, it's going to be an immersion. It's going to be a saturation, but it's going to be from the inside out. Amen. Hallelujah. John the Baptist. He said, there's one coming after me who is mightier. I assure you, John the Baptist was known as a mighty man. He, he was announced by the angel to, to his father before John was born. His parents were, uh, had had no children. And the angel appeared to, 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 to that, that priest, Zechariah, and he said, your wife's going to conceive and have a child, and he will go forth in the power and spirit of Elijah. Oh, my friends, as Pastor was saying, that's the man of fire that resonated with that priest. He was, Elijah was the icon, I guess you could say, of the Old Testament, of men of God who were in tune and in touch with God, who could literally call down fire. And he's now saying, your son is going to go forth in the power and spirit of Elijah. Hallelujah. To turn the hearts of parents to, uh, back to their children and their children to parents. I assure you, we need the power and, uh, uh, and spirit of Elijah to do that. Amen. But I want you to hear this one who's in the power of the uh, and, and the power and spirit of Elijah. I want you to hear him say, but there's one coming after me. He's even mightier. He's even greater. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you in the spirit and in fire. Amen. Hallelujah. This is for you. Don't be afraid. Don't let any spookiness or misunderstanding uh, uh, alarm you and separate you. This is God's choice 
of all the things you see that God the Father could have chosen for the bride of Christ as a gift for that bride, God chose to give you and I his personal spirit. Amen? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You know that verse. And he sent forth his son. Jesus came and Jesus fulfilled his task. No sooner had he finished when he arrives back into heaven, for that was the requirement. Once he's back in his glory, then God turns and manifests his love again by sending us his spirit. Amen. How many believe if God decided the best thing I can do for the bride of Christ, the bride of my son, the best thing that I can give them is my Holy Spirit, how many believe we are to appropriate that? Amen. Friends, I want you to know he gave us a gift that keeps on giving. Amen. This is not something you set on a, on a whatnot shelf, on your little religious uh, uh, collection of, of little things. This is the spirit of the living God, and he knows the plan of God, the will of God. He's got all the power to back it up and help develop you and I and put us in the midst of the work of the living God. We'll have a crown to cast at his feet one day. Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. That's God's will, that you and I become like rivers. He wants, this, he wants us to be objects of, of, of blessings to others. First, we'll, we'll be the beneficiary. We'll taste of it. We'll experience. We'll be cleansed. We'll be set free. We'll, all the many things that the Holy Spirit can do, but it flows out of us. It's not there to become stagnant. It's not there just for our chill bumps and refreshing and, you know, goosebump feeling. No, he said it'll flow out of you. He wants it to flow to others. How many want to be a blessing for the Lord to other people? Yes. Holy Spirit and this fire that he baptizes with, I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll do like it did to Peter, a man who denied our Lord three times. Even in the presence of a little girl, he didn't have the intestinal fortitude to say, yes, I know him. He denied. He cursed. I don't know this man. But one dose of the Holy Ghost, my friend, that transformed him. It was like when the Spirit of God came upon Saul, that first king of Israel. The Bible said he became a new man. Hallelujah. Peter became a new man, and he stood up and he preached in the face of those authorities and proclaimed Jesus Christ the resurrection. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me believe God is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. What he's done for one, he'll do for us all. And I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is a very gentleman. He is a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself on anyone. He will not push the agenda. He knows that... We have been created with a free will. We have the right to choose. God respects that. Amen? This great God of glory, of awesome power, we can't even, we can't even begin to understand all oh, the, the little tip on the end of a, of a, of a pen, the power of Those pilots that hit that throttle on those big jets that are taking off, you know, when they finally break, break gravity and they're, they're just a little few feet off the ground and they push that throttle forward and that jet just you feel the thrust when you're sitting there that pilot said one time we got a whole lot of power left that we never even use I want you to know friends 
God has so much power, so much wisdom, so much knowledge, it will take all eternity for us to begin to try to circumference, to come to lay hold of his great glory. But for right now, the will of God is the measure that he has decided for you and I, the measure that's been described for you and I is the resurrection power. That's where it's at. Paul said, I'm praying for you to that church at Ephesus, and I'm praying that the God and Father of the Lord will give you the spirit of wisdom and uh, uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, illuminating, illuminating the eyes of your understanding. How many know we have a different set of eyes? We have two pairs of eyes, in other words. You close these eyes and you can still see some things. That's talking about the eyes of the soul, the inner soul, the inner eyes. And I want you to know those eyes need to be enlightened. They need to be like a little puppy when they're born, they're closed. But, friends, days go by and they begin to open up a little by little. That's what happens when a person comes into Christ and a new life begins to come awaken. And we're born again, born again. A second birth and life comes to pass and our eyes begin to open. We start seeing and we say, I've never seen that. I've never understood that. That's because the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And he says that your eyes may be enlightened that you may know. And he lists some things there. That you may know the hope of his calling. One of the things he listened, that you may know the great, the exceeding greatness of his power that was wrought in Christ when the Spirit raised him from the dead. I believe that's a big enough assignment for us to get to know the extent of that resurrection power in our own personal lives, in our struggles, and, and in our, our weaknesses to get to be introduced to that Holy Ghost power that was wrought in Christ. I mean, no, it was the Spirit who went in that tomb and brought Jesus out. He who brought, brought Jesus back to life, if he dwells in you, you can enjoy that power. Amen. Out of your innermost being will flow, will flow rivers. Allow me to say it this way. It will flow rivers of divine resources, divine resources for your life to help us with every area of our life, to help us to be developed, to be used of God, to help us over our inhibitions, our weaknesses, things that have held us back. Perhaps there are things of the past, part of our culture, part of our upbringing, things that are there like vices that, that though we're saved, though we have Christ, but still there are things that are holding on. I want you to know therein enters in the work of the sanctifier, the Holy Spirit. And he will begin to set us apart. He, the Bible says, that, that because of that anointing, that anointing oil, symbol of the work and power of the Holy Spirit, the yoke shall be broken. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you here today that are individuals that have been filled with the Spirit, you have tasted of this thing, this power, that throughout the course of your Christian life, you can say for the glory of God, God has set me free from this and that and that and that. We're not yet there. We're not yet perfect. But that's what Paul said, the Spirit. He said the Spirit it helps us with our weaknesses. He included himself, that great apostle man of God, of Paul. He said the Spirit helps us with our infirmities. I mean, believe you still got some room for uh, uh, growth and, 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 and becoming conforming to the image of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit's there. And the good news about it is, 
There's no secrets. Because the Holy Spirit lives there, and he knows everything that's going on. But he can be trusted. Hallelujah. He's not there to browbeat. He's not there to, uh, to, to cause us to feel unworthy. He's there saying, I can help you. I have something to, to work with. I'll use the word of God, my sword. I'll open your eyes to that truth, and you'll be made free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now turn, if you would, please, after using this as a little platform here, I want us to read from Joshua chapter 15. Joshua chapter 15 and verse 15. As you're turning, let me just say very briefly that you remember the story when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then he sent 12 spies over into the promised land, what was to be their inheritance. But when they returned, 10 of those men were very negative. They are full of doubt, and they discouraged the people of God causing them to have to make lap after lap, wandering for 40 years until every one of them died of that generation with the exception of two men. Those were the two that had a good report. How many want to have a good report? How many want to be positive about the things of God? And, hallelujah. Not negative, not ridicule, not, 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 not minimizing what God can do because Joshua and Caleb, they came back. That's why their names are so famous today. That's why they, these are a, another set of icons here of, of heroes of the faith. They came back with a positive message. We can. We can. It's a good land. Nevertheless, the majority the, dis, discouraged the people of Israel. But God had made a promise to Caleb, and he said, Caleb, or through Moses, Moses said to him, wherever you went that day when you were spying, wherever your feet touched, I'm going to give that land to you. It's going to be yours one day. That's going to be your inheritance. For 40 years, they fell dead in the, are well, you talking about, a, that was the longest f funeral process, pr profession, <laughs> procession in the world, amen? That's the, biggest, that's the biggest cemetery out there. They fell dead for 40 years. Now they're being, Moses is gone. Joshua steps up to the leadership and takes them into the promised land, the city of Jericho, and the, the battles begin, and they're taking the land, taking the land, and they came to a certain point when Caleb now comes to his companion, and he says, you know, Moses, you were there. You heard it. When Moses promised me this parcel of land, it was on his birthday. He said, I was 40 years old. And now he's 85 years old on his birthday. And he comes to Joshua and he says, I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. And Joshua makes it official that this land is set aside now. This is Caleb's territory, his inheritance. And so Caleb starts conquering that land. There were inhabitants there that had to be driven out. It wasn't without a fight. And he was making progress, but he comes to a certain city, and it's made aware to him, made aware to him that he needs help. He needs a mighty warrior. He needs some assistance. Although you remember he said, though I'm 85, I still have the strength of when I was 40. How many of you can say that today? Uh, we want to make people think we do, but <laughs> anyway. Here's what he did. He made a special offer. This man who was made aware, made aware to him that he needs help. 
He needed to appropriate. He needed to, to, to seek out some new blood in his family line too because that was part of the offer. Now listen to the offer that he makes to these young men of Israel. In Joshua chapter 15 and verse 15, it says, And from, from there, in other words, from this last, last victory, it says, From there he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kirath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give, here it is, here's the offer, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and conquers or captures Kiriat Saphir. And Othniel, the son of Kinez, Caleb's brother, took it, and Caleb gave his daughter to Aksa in marriage, to him in marriage. And when she came to him, Othniel, the Bible says in most translations here that we have, it says that, that, that she urged him. Please understand, in the Hebrew manuscript, in the Vulgate, in the Septuagint, it reads this way because it is in more line. The ladies didn't tell the men what to do there. It says she urged him. No, the, 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 a better reading and understanding is that he urged her. In other words, this, this young man who's just now been married and his bride now comes with him and they're on their way to their honeymoon, I guess you could say. And it says that he urged her, go back to the father. Go back to him and ask him. In verse 16, she went, in verse, uh, verse 12, I'm sorry. And she came to him, and Othniel urged her to ask her father for a field or for, for ground that, was, that had water is what it was basically saying. And says that she got off her donkey. When she got off her donkey. Please underline that. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? And she replied, talking to her father, do me a special favor. Since you have given me a land in the Negev, that means bone dry desert land. Give me also springs of, living, uh, springs of water. And so Caleb, her father, gave her upper and lower springs. So here's the situation. He makes this offer. And believe you me, this was an offer for him to say, I am offering my daughter with no dowry. You don't have to work how many years, like Jacob worked seven years for one and seven years for another. He's saying, this is scot-free, no heads of camel, no sheep, no cattle. I'm offering as a prize to the conqueror, he who will attack that city and conquer it. I believe to, probably, man, he can get over the wall against all the opposition and open the door for the rest. I will give my daughter, I'm offering my daughter Axa. I can imagine, you know, this, this is so far from our, understand, our way of doing things. It's hard for us to, but I want you to understand, try to step into their culture. Folks, this was a deal. Uh -huh. Those young men were getting excited. Did you hear that? This was not just any family. This was the famous patriarch, Caleb. This man had bukoodles of, of, of land and money and prestige. To be a part of that family was something else. Oh, and to hear him say, I'm going to give her free. I imagine them young men, they start, hey, 
That's mine. I'm going for it. I'm going to win. They are exercising, practicing. But in the day of the battle, the Bible says that a man by the name of Othniel won that, that battle. And after the battle, he returns to receive his prize, the bride. Amen? And now she comes to him. They're on their way. On their way on their honeymoon. She's on that convertible donkey. <laughs> and she's chatting, I'm sure. And she began telling him, you know, well, when you got me, I came with an inheritance. What the hell? Where? <laughs> and she starts telling him. He pulls the emergency brake on that little fella. And he says, whoa, wait a minute. You know what your father's giving you? He's giving you dry land. What are we going to do with that? I want to I wanna be blessed. I want to grow. I got plans for you and me and for, for our family. But we can't do anything without water. Aren't you thankful that God said, I will pour water upon dry ground? And the next phrase says, I'll pour my spirit upon your children. That's what he's talking. He's using these associations to help us to understand that's what the spirit will do, like water on dry land. Dry. You know, you can have the richest soil in the world. But if it's negave, if it's dry land, you're not going to produce anything but dust. I mean, you know, there's no market for dust. Down where I'm from in South Florida, we have the muck fields south of Okeechobee, all those cane fields. Pastor knows about all that down on the edge of the Everglades. That muck some 12 feet deep, just rich organic sediment over the centuries. But if you don't have water, you can't do anything with it. If you got a little water, you don't have to do anything else. And that muck, you just throw the seed out there and it'll grow. What am I saying? I'm saying, my friends, that you and I are like that parcel of land. We have such potential. We have such a capacity to be used and to be productive and to, to, to put on the blossoms and the fruit and to be an influence, to, to carry, carry fragrance of, of the rose of Sharon. But we must have the water to germinate and, and to cause us to produce. Now, she, being a very... I hesitate to say this, just don't preach much in the U.S., but she being a very subject wife to her husband, <laughs> because what he did, he urged her, go back to your father. This is not going to fly. We're going to do anything. Let's go back to him and ask him for water. Ask him for another gift. And so she turns that little fella in and makes a U-turn, and she's going back to Caleb. What did the Bible say? It says, and when she got down off her donkey. Then her father said, then her father said, I assure you, had she drove up there in that little convertible and stayed there mounted on him and refused to get down. You see, in their culture, it was of utmost importance that you, that you show humiliation and you show respect. And that was the way you got down off the donkey. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't until she got off the donkey until she heard her father say, but when her feet hit the ground, my friends, he said, yes, what can I do for you? I mean, believe God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. I mean, believe it's important that we be willing to humble ourselves if we want to hear our father say, what can I do for you? What do you need? That's all God's asking us to do. Thank God she didn't say to her husband, well, you know, we don't really need that. I've got a good name. I'm sufficient sufficient. We don't need that. We can get by. So often believers feel that we can just get by. You know, we're safe.
into this new territory of, 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 of living in springs of upper and lower water in abundance, this Holy Spirit scene, oh, my friend, that is what will cause you to, to be a blessing. It will bless you. It will cause you to prosper. It will cause you to flourish. It will cause you to be a more of a man and woman for God. So she went back, and the father heard her request. And listen to what it says. He didn't just find some little old stream up there and say, well, I'll rain so this water can. No. The Bible says he gave her upper and lower springs. Amen? He chose a most uh, bountiful supply, a liberal, generous gift he gave to her that her and her family could go and be blessed. Hallelujah. And I want you to know, my friends, just as this story, there was a father who sought a warrior. There was another father. I'm talking about the father of all fathers. I'm talking about the Lord God. He had sought out a warrior. He had sought out a, an individual who could enter into the, a battle, my friend, to win a prize. But no one was worthy. But I'm thankful that the line of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. And Jesus said, I'll go. I'll enter in. I'll take that city and I believe after that, there on that cross, I want you to know, my friends, that was not weakness. That was not failure. That was the ultimate step into victory. Jesus was obedient even unto the death of the cross. He was, he was, he was, my friend, he was but closing the battle up. He was paying the ultimate price. And after three days, he came out of that tomb victorious. He had won the battle. Can you say Amen. And it was not without a prize, for the Father had a gift for him, and it's known as the bride of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus received and accepted that bride. And we find him with his bride, and that at this time, it was a very small, developed body of believers, but that is the bride of Christ, nevertheless. And now he feeling himself getting lighter because he knows he's out of here. He's on his way back to heaven. And being assembled with them, he started talking about politics. No. He started talking about the economy. No. What did he talk about? What did he talk about in those final closing moments? What was heavy and dear upon his heart? It was the need to go back to the Father and ask him another blessing because I see such potential in you. I see abilities, but it's lying dormant. It needs water. It needs the power. You need to be infused with Holy Ghost power from on high. He said, now go back to the Father. Don't leave. Don't even go home. Go back to Jerusalem. There's something waiting for you. Thank God those disciples didn't say, well, you know, we're all right. We saw you nailed to the cross. We saw you dead. You, we saw you come. You're out of that tomb. We've seen you alive. Jesus knew that their level of commitment, that human level of emotionals and excitement was not going to get the job done. He knew they were going to be facing some very tragic some of them are going to be sewn in part, sewn in, in half. Some of them are going to lose their head. Some of them are going to be boiled in water, in oil. My friends, he knew they were going to be, they needed to be infused with power from on high. And he said, now go back to the Father and wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to know Jesus is still saying that to his bride today. He's still saying, go back to the Father. 
now that I've saved you, now that I've won you, and you've received that inheritance, yes, of salvation, but I want you to know there's another part of it. There's an additional blessing, and it is the springs, the upper, lower springs, water in abundance. It's living water that will flow into your life, and it will cause you to come alive. How many of you are willing to get off that donkey today? That donkey could have been an obstacle. It could have inhibited her. She could have said, this is my favorite little pet. She could have rode it on the rest of her life and missed out on what the father had for her. She would have never heard her father say, what can I do for you, until she got off that donkey. Too many people are riding their donkeys today. Maybe it's a donkey of, of, of unforgiveness, a, a, a donkey of, of just, you know, just bitterness. But somebody's hurt you, and, and occasionally you'll get on that little pella, and you'll just start feeling sorry, and he takes you for a little ride. And God's saying it's time to get off that donkey. That's keeping you from what I have for you. That's inhibiting you. If you'll get off that donkey, I'll do something that will far surpass any thrill you've ever had. Maybe it's a donkey of some other form of the flesh, some unfruitful uh, uh, thing in your life, of, of, of you name it. You, you, each one of us know what we may be riding on that's keeping us. But I'm telling you, it's time to get off the donkeys. It's time to give them a kick in the rear and say, depart from my life. I'm severing these ties with unfruitfulness. I'm severing these ties with things that are cursed and things of sin. I want to humble myself before God that I can receive from him. How many of you are willing to get off that donkey today? I assure you, when your feet hit the ground, you will hear the Father. You'll sense it. Oh, what can I do for you? And you can tell him, Father, I need that water. I'm coming to what my husband to be, Jesus. I'm coming to what he's commanded me to be filled with the Spirit. I'm here today to receive that because I believe he knows best for my life. Would you bow your heads? I want to ask Paula to come and our musicians can be ready also. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Jesus, that you did the, the utmost best. You used a symbol that everybody understood, a symbol that, came that comes communicating to us the benefits, the multifaceted benefits of a river that can flow into a man. A man's man. I'm not talking about something for a sissy. I'm not talking about somebody that's weak. But into a man who wants to be a better father, a better husband, a better man, that river of living waters will bring you alive. Yes, water is for the lady of ladies. It is for the, to, to make us better mothers, better wives. It'll, it'll make us better citizens. It'll make us better servants of God. And we thank you for that, Father. That you didn't just save us and send us on our way. But the instructions were, and it was not a suggestion, friends. Jesus commanded them. Please understood. Please understand, he commanded them. Now, go back to the Father and receive the gift, the promise of the Father. Ask the Father what he has for you. Would you stand with me, everyone in the house? And I'm going to ask you, you know, We've sat there and we've heard the word. We've been eating and we've been receiving the, the I guess you could say, the, the, the main course. But there's a, there's a dessert that God has for you, if you don't feel, let me put it this way. That dessert's not served out there. It's served right here. 
This is where God's going to honor those who are willing to get off the donkey, those who are willing to come down here. There's some rivers that's going to be loose here. There's wind that's going to blow. There's some fire that's going to be in here, and you can step into it. And I want to ask you, are you willing to get off that donkey? Don't let that thing, don't let anything. If it's a spirit of ridicule or judgment, don't let that. If it's whatever it might be, get down off that thing. Humble yourself before God and come and stand in his presence and see what he'll do for you. Come on, step out, step out, step out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Send that donkey in another direction. Yes, today I'm severing my ties with that creature. Today I'm going to. Begin to humble myself before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me speak to you just for a second. Those of you that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's no reason why you can't receive it right now. Hallelujah. More than you desire this, Jesus, who's standing right beside you, he's the baptizer, and he desires to do this for you. Don't feel that you got to stay all day begging and begging. No, God's just saying, ask me if I gave my son to you while you were in sin, how much more now that you're my child will I give you my spirit and receive it and receive it. And there'll come a moment that God wants to bless you with an additional language. It'll be a heavenly language to help you along your way. Don't resist that. Yield, just yield. Let it start coming out. Let it start. It'll be a little bit. Let it come. Let it come. It'll grow. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm telling you, friends, the blessings are lining up. But we got to do it God's ways. Now, come on, lift your hands, please. Would you lift your voice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paula, would you just come and, and, and sing that song for us again? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.